Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Uh, we were joined by uh, Jeff Shreves, the Sky Sports Touchline reporter who's written uh, his autobiography. Cheers, Jeff. There's some great old uh, war stories mm. from his time chatting to the managers straight after games. So that was fun. Um, we also spoke to Bayo Akin Fenwa, formerly of Wickham Wanderers, of course, Wimbledon, and I'm duty bound to say, otherwise, we'll get the sack. Torquay United. <laughs> um, uh, he's gone into the world of wrestling post football uh, alongside Anthony Agogo, and he was telling us a bit about that and life after football. And Andy Brassel, a European football expert, who joins us every Monday, has written a wonderful new book, Football Murals, and he talked us through that. So here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Yes, good afternoon, Paul. And uh, quite a comfortable victory for Chelsea yeah, last night. Yeah, the second it, really? half. I mean, I really, I, I, I went to the goal show, Andy. I've got to be mm, honest. I don't it blame was a, you. It, it was, you. I didn't fancy them to get back into it at all. No, I don't know how Milan won. I know they got up some injuries, but I don't know how they won the Scudetto. I thought they were really quite poor in both yeah. games, but there we go. Mm. Um, uh, Graham Potter, though, he's probably never been to the San Siro, as I like to call it, the Giuseppe Miazza. Oh, yeah, of course. I know you're a bit of a purist <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you, you get an idea, because in the end, the ref did Chelsea a lot of favours, didn't he, with that God, decision? they're terrible. I just think the standard of refereeing often. I mean, the Champions League, it's a lot better, but when do you start getting into the Europa League? And the, I mean, the Conference League, they're press-ganged in pubs before the game. <laughs> Honestly, they're just appalling refs. I don't know where they get them from. Uh, and it, Every time I watch a, a Conference League or a Europa League game, the way they're officiated, I think, oh, our refs are brilliant. You know, oh, yeah. they are top draw. No, really. I mean, Michael Oliver the other day had a, a great game. I thought, you know, he obviously didn't get it. Really the pen, according to Dermot. Yeah, but Dermot I thought in general he refereed the work yeah. game. To be fair, Anthony Taylor, when did I notice that he got something really right the other day? I thought I should give him the credit. As I was yeah, you don't normally hammer him. It was, I think it was in the Villa game, wasn't it? Let's have a look. I wrote it down somewhere. And now you've lost Good it. refereeing. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, when Jacob Ramsey and oh Ryan Yates, that's right. They got involved in a shout in a shoving match, and he didn't book either of them. I no, thought that was good. That's good. Anyway, uh, give him a bit of praise there. What was I going to say? Yeah, I wrote down the referee was a Homer Simpson, uh, but actually I was wrong. He was a Mister Fussy, the fussiest referee. It was like yeah. American football that game. It was just like a series of plays punctuated by fouls, bookings, and a melee. And, yeah. then, and then every, you know, it was just so poor. He just lost control. Yeah, so not it very good. Wasn't good really. Well, what can you That's do? him doing the final then. As you know, yeah, Kalina probably. likes to double down on these things. That's him probably doing the yeah, final. That's the other thing, you know, it's. I thought they'd got rid of the double jeopardy. Mm. For me, I don't get this rule in football. But if you if you foul somebody outside the box and it's a denial of a goal scoring opportunity, yeah. fine, that's a red card. Mm. But if you foul somebody in the box, it's not a denial of goal scoring opportunity if they get a penalty. That is, by definition, a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. So it's double jeopardy. Tomori was punished twice for the same foul. It was wrong. It's a stupid rule. It's typical of Kalina. It's typical of Ellery. It's typical of the IFB, IFAB, whatever they're called. It's just poor. Yeah. You know. But within the letter of the law, I don't think they got a lot wrong because he did pull him back. No, but the, and the, 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 the law fact is he got, I mean, it was interesting. Mark Halsey saying today, 
was it denying a goal scoring opportunity because he got a shot off? Well, he kind of did. He well, got a he foot. Would, he was right straight in. at the he goal, and in he in was. There. Yeah, I looked at that, and I mean, I, within the laws, yeah. even though they're not particularly good, it was probably the right call. I told you, Mount's been playing better since Potter. No, really he's loving it. You can tell yeah, from as what soon he as said. He came in. He's you know, enjoying his football. You could tell. Um, looking at the court circular, the Duke yeah. of Kent, my old friend, yeah. as Moose would call him, Henri Air Chief Marshal, today visited United Kingdom Space Command at uh, RAF, Space Command. Space wow. Command, yeah. RAF High Wycombe, Walters Ash. He thought the invitation said Arthur Ash. Oh, right. of course, why, it's why, easy. It's that he always brings it back. The only reason he went. I was wondering how you're going to bring that back to tennis. <laughs> now, Jeff Shreeds has joined us later on. Yes, and in yes, the process yes, of uh, reading his book, myself and Andy noticed a couple of stories that we thought thought hmm. they would lead uh, to things that the listeners could weigh in on so we were indebted to jeff but we are looking for tenuous links to the stars because jeff was talking about his early days getting involved in sport hmm. and uh, he met motty in one of his very early jobs and he said he kind of tentatively knew motty before because it, his mum his used mom. to play tennis with motty's wife and so that is, yeah, with Anne. So mm. that is a, a, t- a pretty tenuous link. So yeah. if, can we get as tenuous a link to the stars? Doesn't matter if they're from sport, ideally from sport, but even if they're not, can you get as tenuous as your mum playing tennis with mm. Motti's missus? He's very nice about Motti in the book. Too. He certainly so is, yeah, yeah. Well, for what he should, quite rightly. Um, so um, that's one of the things to get you going on. The other one is, in his early days, putting shows together at mm. Sky, rounding up guests... And uh, one of them was Peter Shreves, a former uh, Spurs manager back in the day and coach. Mm. And um, apparently Peter told Jeff that they were distantly related. But that hasn't stopped uh, Peter every time he sees Jeff and continues to over the years, says, oh, hello, Gary. So still calls him Gary. <laughs> yeah, that's great, isn't it? So um, are there people that always get your name wrong? And in what circumstances? Mm. Ideally, if they're members of your family, that's even better. So there we are. We're indebted to Jeff for those two today, the tenuous mm. links to the stars, the people who's... Uh, maybe it's you always gets it wrong. But uh, do let us know. Talksport.com forward slash H&J. Text to 81089 or tweet to TSH&J. That should get you started. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, after many years on the touchline and elsewhere for Skies, we're about to discover Jeff Shreves has written his autobiography. Cheers, Jeff. Tales from the touchline. And he joins us in the studio. Hi, Jeff. Good afternoon, chaps. Good to see you both. Yeah, both looking good well. to see you. It's been a while. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving seeing Andy feverishly doing his homework. Uh, I'm looking across. It's just got to the end of the foreword, so. <laughs> yeah, very harsh. <laughs> oh, no, no. Very, very harsh. I've looked at the pictures. He's done, no, he's, I haven't. I've quite done, a bit of yeah. it. That's really off. He's, done a, he's looked at some of the pictures. That's the least. No, we've had, a, we've had a, a good look at the book, so we've got plenty to talk about. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of people are interested in. I mean, so many of the people that do your job elsewhere have come through kind of sports media degrees. Many of them have. Done work experience on this show mm. over the years, but you're you're very different. You didn't come out from a journalistic point of view or a broadcast point of view. You were in the property business, weren't you? Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, the reason I wrote the book, the two questions that people ask me the most are, "How did you get into what you do, and what's it like?" The first part of that is frankly ridiculous, <laughs> and many elements of the second part are frankly ridiculous mm. as well. So it was complete and utter fluke. Um, I left school, college, with very, very few qualifications. I wasn't sure what to do. I don't know why, but bizarrely, and the same four things are still in place today. As a teenager, the thing, the four things I love the most, football, music, socialising, and houses. I don't know where it comes from. Um, it's, it's not in my family, particularly. Mm. I like houses, the design of houses, the building. It could be flats, anything. I've always really been interested in it. Still am to this day. But I needed a job. So I stuck a, a note through a load of estate agents' doors in St Albans, where I pretty much grew up, and uh, I got a job there. So it was all fine and dandy. Went well for a few years, enjoyed it, and I was early 20s. Got to know a few of the Arsenal players because they were moving into the area because their mm. training ground... Well, there is a lovely picture of you. Mm. Uh, <laughs> handing yeah. Alan Smith the keys to his house. He's doing keepy up. He's next to you in an Arsenal kit for some reason. <laughs> and you, as you said, you look like you've got a cardboard suit. That's <laughs> good. You could be a touchline reporter on Grand Design. So. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. Well, I could be saying... Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I could be, hey, Dion Dublin has already nicked the job and oh, he's doing yeah. a fine job oh, yeah, of it as of course, well. So yeah. he's, he's already poached the football to property line. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was all good. And uh, I have to mention that Smudge and his wife Penny, they weren't married actually at that point, 
because he's do you remember he signed for Arsenal from Leicester, mm. but had the rest of the season on loan at Leicester City. Twice, him and Penn said, we'd like a lovely old beamed cottage in the countryside, something with a character. Twice, they bought brand new. So, <laughs> What a sale. What a sale. Yeah. <laughs> you should have stayed in property. <laughs> Terrible clients, but great friends. <laughs> I mean, just looking at the book, I mean, amazing that you've been with Sky for 31 years. I mean, that's some time, isn't it? Yes, I think quite a few of my colleagues look at me and think the same thing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah. So just to finish off, uh, I then became a property developer. I started building properties and stuff. It was all all going great. And then potentially what we're about to see now, the, ha- the housing market crashed. And I was absolutely potless. Mm. I mean, brassic, not a bean to my name, verge of going bankrupt. And one day I walked into a good pal of mine's office, a guy called Kevin Luckhurst. He's on the phone and he... He said to everyone he was talking to, yeah, yeah, the guy you need just walked into the office. Um, yeah, I put him in touch. Put the phone down. I said, who's that? He says, my brother. And I knew his brother, Brian, who was involved in property as well. I said, oh, has he got, I don't know. Literally, that stage, anything. I said, he's got a garden, needs clearing, need a patio. But He said, no, it's my brother, Mick, the uh, former NFL player. Yeah. He's covering the World Cup in 1919. He needs an assistant. I've told him you're the man for the job. Wow. It, it, it's a, it is a cliche, but I cannot come up with anything more than sliding doors moment. I went to the World Cup and of course I absolutely loved it and I decided this is what I want to do. This yeah. is what I want to do I want to do for a living. And then of course my big break was when I came back Sky was just starting as well. So look, I am under no illusions whatsoever how fortunate I've been in my career. Yeah. And then because then I was when I started at Sky so many people, too many people to mention went out of their way to help me, to train me in journalism. I mean, it's not like I arrived at Sky and just started, they sent me out with a microphone. It was it was a tough, tough mm. school. And it was eight years or so, so before they let me loose with a microphone. But that was how it basically was, because yeah. I think empiricism, you'd call it, and rather than a three-year media course, I had about eight years of seven days a week of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really you were a floor manager. We often see old John Smart, mm. didn't we? The man with the white hair giving the thumbs up yep. to the referee. Yeah, and uh, that was that was your role, wasn't it? It was the th- it was that the floor manager's job at first, earlier on in the days at Sky. Well, I, I tell everybody, and it's factual. Nobody can uh, deny this. I am the man who started Premier League football coverage in this country on Sky. When Rupert Murdoch decided to invest his millions, I had to give it the thumbs up before it could go ahead. Yeah, it's true. Mike Mike Reid, August 1992, City Grounds, cued the kickoff. I wasn't even a floor manager in truth. I was a trainee floor manager. I was a a fixer. Yeah. Loved it. It It's great. Honestly, if you imagine you you found a, a second career and all of a sudden this new vehicle, Sky, appears, it's so exciting. You're at the forefront of it. And to be part of that, mm, yeah, fabulous. Can you remember your first ever post-match interview? Who it was? No, because <laughs> it wasn't in the book. So I was thinking, I wonder if he. Uh, it wasn't. I just. It yeah, must, I mean, it must have been Teddy Sharing, wasn't it? Well, no, as as, as as floor as floor manager. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Ted, Teddy came across and did the interview there. In fact, there's a a picture of mm. Ted. What's terrifying? Um, Teddy was a guest at Legends of Football the other night, having been a previous recipient as well. Unfortunately. Teddy still looks similar to yeah, yeah, himself yeah, in that does. photo. <laughs> the fella alongside him, not quite so much. No, but Paul, I, I didn't. You don't do post-match strokes, you? You, no. you go out in midweek. There'll be yeah. the FA Cup, mm. and you do recorded interviews. There's no way you could just go straight from wanting to do it to being no. a live reporter. Um, so it's it's a, a very very gradual so it was a process. gradual process. Oh, massively, yeah, yeah, yeah. massively. Yeah. And the keener I was, the more I pushed to do stuff. The more mistakes I made, mm. um, got absolutely battered for it. It was it was brutal. It wasn't a gently. Now, could you possibly think? You know, it was full on. Yeah, but in a good way. It was it was tough love. It, it was, was tough a tough love. environment, wasn't it? In those days, at yeah, but, Sky. But yeah, but I listen. But it worked. You you, you, you learnt. Yeah. Uh, you also learn from those experiences as well. You wouldn't necessarily do things in the same way right across the board, but no company would. No. And it, it was just, I was keen to. Learn. I was like a sponge. And there was just no end of information and help available to me if I wanted it, which I very much did. Yeah. I thought it was interesting in that I did read the forward. The forward by the forward. Gonna, did you see what I did the there? Forward, what's interesting that Alan Shearer, what, what he says about you, he talks about trust. And it struck me that 
that's one of the key elements of your job because you're dealing yeah. with people who are naturally suspicious of the media. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's a hundred hundred percent true because you you won't last five minutes if you if you turn people. I I agree with the old expression. Um, as a journalist, the most important stories, the ones that make your career, are the ones that you never use. Mm, yeah, you're in you're in the company of people who trust you. They know, you know when you're working, you know when you're not working, and you cannot betray that. Yeah, because you, they, they, if you if they know that you are um, a turnover merchant. You're finished. You're I history. think sometimes as well, Jeff. They mm. get, they do what we could, you could call a Colleen now. That they, they they might throw something at you that maybe might not be true, or they haven't really told anybody else, and then they see if it gets out there. I think sometimes people in football they they, they want to know they can trust you, and uh, I think that sometimes goes on as well. A little test, are you saying? Yeah, maybe a little test to see. Well, you know, I, I, it's I, a very I, Machiavellian thought <laughs> process. <laughs> I, I trust people. I know one manager did that, but hey, anyway, we weren't going three, to that. Three conspiracy theorists walked into a bar. Can't tell me that's a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> He's There's doing the re- after dinner <laughs> stuff. There's some really great Fergie anecdotes. Yeah. In, I love your line about Fergie. You say he's not always a nice guy, but he's a good guy. And I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, he's uh, my in my interactions with him, he wasn't always a nice guy, but in the main, he was always a good guy. Mm. Tried to do it right. Tried to do it in the right way. Tried to be professional. I, I loved working with him. He was he was fantastic. Uh, he tested you all the time, and you you couldn't just cozy up to him and ask him easy questions. But there was a balance. He would be furious if you thought you were some sort of tough journalist who could ask him what you liked to make your name off the back of him. Yeah. So, you know, but like anybody you work with, you build up an understanding. You know how they work. And it's different for every single manager. It's different for every single player. This weekend, for Sky, Liverpool against Manchester City, I will approach Jürgen and Pep differently. Not journalistically, mm. but just the way... You're, they're different people. Yeah. So Although even journalistically at the moment. The moment yeah, well, that's, <laughs> I was going to we'll talk about this in, in a minute. Um, I'll just we'll kind of talk a bit more about Sir Alex Ferguson. There's a couple of great stories in the book. One when you uh, you you basically asked Cristiano whether he dived or not, and yeah. uh, and uh, Sir Alex was uh, was watching it coming out of where you in the tunnel, didn't he? Yeah, I think it's fair to say he came and had a word. I <laughs> <laughs> will describe it as an expletive laden barrage. Uh, told me what he thought in no uncertain terms, and he. Um, your bard is a, is a bit of a phrase of his, isn't it? Really? Yeah, well, that's a ba- that was a badge of honour. But <laughs> again, um, he he was unhappy, mm. and and he was supposed to be. In, I was then supposed to be interviewing him, and he's walking towards the position. I took great offence at the way he spoke to me, and I went off on one, gave him back, and it just came literally came to a head where we are virtually nose to nose, and. Di Law, who was the press assistant at the time, press officer at the time, hugely respected by both of us, separated us and pretty much told us told us off. <laughs> and, and she's one of the few people that uh, certainly Sir Alex would take that from. And when I went away and I looked at it, it wasn't so much that the interview with Ronaldo was that bad. I just got it wrong. Mm. And I, I've, I've got my high horse about him swearing at me. Now, you two, if you've been in my company, you know... My, la- my language is appalling. <laughs> so for me to get all on my high horse about him swearing was just so stupid. He hadn't, he hadn't... But you apologised, didn't you? And, and he I just, took it. Yeah, I, I, was, I was wrong in the way I reacted. It, you know, if I'd said to him, look, I'll look at the Cristiano interview. If I'm out of order, I'll apologise. But why go head to head? Why? And my boss at the time, Andy Melvin, he said, you know, it's your job to get Sir Alex to engage with us. You've poured petrol on a flammable situation yeah, yeah. when you didn't need to do it. He said, I'll back you all the way. If somebody like Fergie comes after you and you're standing in your corner, journalist, I'll back you all the way. He said, but you've started a fight here that you didn't need to. Why did you do it? Yeah. yeah. And that's that was the mistake I made. But you apologised, and that's the other mark of a man, isn't it? That in some, if you apologise, you accept someone's apology and move on. And, and he did that with you, didn't he? He kind of Great, graciously, up to you. yeah. Yeah, the, the next game, he said, "Look, you've apologised. It will never be spoken of again, and it never was." And he was fantastic. You know, I've got to tell you, this is obviously the type of thing that people highlight mm. in the book. But this is less than two percent of the time. Sure, he was brilliant. Um, 
at our charity dinner, again, Legends of Football. He was a fantastic recipient, still holds the record for the most money raised. So generous with his time. And he can be he's so funny as well. Wow. And so <laughs> I remember the first time, I, I didn't really know him, and we were doing a Champions League game somewhere, and uh, it's half-time, and I'm watching a monitor in another English club, and, and he, all of a sudden I'm, I'm aware of someone on my shoulder, and it's Sir Alex Ferguson. I thought, well, OK, this is an uh, opportunity to find out the mind of a you know, brilliant tactician. Another English club, they're 3-0 down at half-time. And I sort of gently ventured, I said, um, I just, just, do you know, do you think you know what you do in this situation? And without hesitation, he went, I know exactly what I do. I said, what do you do? He said, I panic. <laughs> <laughs> he, he can be really, honestly, he's great company, really, really funny as well. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Jeff, uh, Jeff Shreves is with us in the studio. I'm still doing it. I'm struggling with his, <laughs> his, his name. Jeff Shreves. Are you embarrassed about me being on? Crack in the box. I'm doing my vent act. <laughs> Jeff's in the studio. We're talking about his book, Cheers, Jeff. Mm. And we'll look at the uh, the origins of that uh, very shortly. Before that, though, we set the listeners to work based on a couple of stories in Jeff's book, one of which uh, tenuous links to the stars. Uh, Jeff's mum used to play tennis with uh, Anne, Motti's wife. We said that was pretty tenuous. Squash. A squash. Oh, okay. All right. I was relying on Andy for that one. A different squash. game. Squash. I said squash. You sure you didn't say tennis? No, look, I've got it written down. Oh, well, what you Your say and what you write down, Andy, are very wife. different things. <laughs> um, we are looking for... T- <laughs> That's what he's like. Gamble. Bring me out to dry. <laughs> tenuous, tenuous links to the stars. Uh, nice one here. Um, my brother-in-law was John Barnes' milkman. Says Terry and Hemel. Tremendous. Not far from Jeff. Uh, you can keep those uh, coming this afternoon. And getting people's names wrong. I do like your Peter Shreve story. You know, he's an actually a, a relative of yours, doesn't he? Still, he still calls you, uh, what is it? Gary. 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 He calls you Gary. Good That's to see you, Gary. Good to see you, Gary. <laughs> One of my customers constantly calls me Mark. Even when next door people are saying, oh, hi, Paul, over the fence. He's a window cleaner. This is Bradley, the window cleaner. He even writes it on my Christmas card. I wouldn't mind. But I've got my name emblazoned all over my van, which is parked outside. <laughs> his front door so thank you Jeff for those couple of uh, mm. cool subjects for the listeners talksport.com text 81089 tweet TS H&J we should talk about the title cheers Jeff because you were saying there's a reason for it and it's become a bit of a catchphrase but it's an un- unusual beginnings well it's unusual because it's a catchphrase and I never say it <laughs> Which, as, a catch, as catchphrases go... It's like Michael Caine, isn't it, really? <laughs> Not a lot of people know that. And there's even a Michael Caine story in the book. See, we have read it. We haven't just looked we're, at the pictures. We're, we're <laughs> Good notes from your researcher. Um, <laughs> no, 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 um, no, no, I lo- no. I love Michael Caine. If I've got time, I'll tell that. But, or if you allow me. But no, cheers, Jeff. I think it's about 15 years ago. I was asked to be a reporter on the FIFA game, the franchise. Fantastic. Love yeah. to do it. So I do all my stuff, you know, the old... Um, looks like a hamstring injury, but he's a tough cookie. He'll carry on. All those bits and pieces. Mm. And then on a different day, Martin Tyler and Alan Smith were recording their parts the whole game. And an engineer said to them, look, we've just had um, some information from the touchline. Martin, can you do us a few pickups? Martin did four or five, and they were long lines of, oh, good information there, Jeff. Or, oh, OK, we'll keep an eye on that, Jeff. He did four or five, and one who went, cheers, Jeff. Now, whoever it was, this engineer, unknown to me, no idea who it was, just went, bang, we'll go with that one. And it's taken on a life of its own. It's got its own Facebook page, its T-shirts. Um, I did a piece with the Mirror years ago, and they said, we've analysed your Twitter feed, and 35% of replies to your posts just say, cheers, Jeff. Right. And I think... Could be worse. Well, it hit home. <laughs> somebody, some, somebody sent me a photo of a lad who's had Cheers Jeff tattooed on his backside. <laughs> For goodness sake. <laughs> what a great claim to What a great honour. Yeah, That's fantastic. Is it? You've never met him, have you? He'll come up to you at a game one day. Well, how would I recognise him? Well, well, I think I think he'll make himself known. Um, so, you're doing City Liverpool yes. this weekend, yes. aren't you? And we're just sort of talking about, you were saying that uh, Pep and, and Jurgen Klopp are very different people. But and as Andy was saying, you know they're, they're they're coming at the world from a very different place at the moment from a football point of view. And look, you know, if 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 it happens, if Liverpool get a bit of a shoeing by City, it ends up three or four. He's not going to be in the best frame of mind. Do you relish it, Jeff? How do you how do you feel going in knowing that it's not it's going to be a bit tricky? Well, at any interview, you've got to assess the situation. Anybody who does my job, and there's plenty of people who do the same sort of thing as me. What you've got to have uppermost in your mind is 
Again, I know it's a cliche, but the most important thing about a question is the answer. So it's not my job. And I actually, I actually dislike when people say, oh, I, I like what you do. You ask tough questions. It's supposed to be a compliment. But it's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. You're supposed to ask the questions that bring about the answers that the viewers want. It's not about you. It's about what the person in front of you says. So that's rule number one. So you've got to think about that approach. Now, if somebody, obviously, very different interviewing a winning manager and a losing manager, mm. and then you've got a, a winning manager closing in on a title or doing particularly well, or a losing manager who's really in a bad run at the moment. So you've got to have enormous, first and foremost, I've got enormous respect for managers who do this job. And straight afterwards, they come out and... I mean, Jurgen Klopp has worked a lot in the media in Germany as well. Mm. And a couple, a few times he's been uh, a little bit spiky in interviews. He has been with me. His viewpoint, which I completely agree with, is, look, you guys get me all cheery, upbeat and great character when it's going well. You also get me when it's not going so well. So no problem with that whatsoever. Mm. So I don't relish um, picking through the carcass of somebody when it's going badly for them. But I do, it's another part of the job. I want to do it properly. And you try to go through the questions, as I say, that he will then give you some insight as to why today didn't go right. But you can't just stand there in front of somebody and say, right, why were you so bad? Why do you continue to be so bad? <laughs> yeah. Will you always be so yeah, bad? Because it's just nonsense. Yeah. It's just nonsense. And don't forget as well, we're in the repeat business, whoever the manager is. Sure. And also, I'm not presupposed. Equally, I'll go into the game on Sunday. Could be the game that turns Liverpool's season around. Absolutely. They Absolutely. could win, and that's going to be a fantastic interview yeah. post-match. Honestly, they're all, they're all different. I like, I like the cricket analogy, and I, but got to be clear, I'm not trying to catch people out. Far from it. In cricket, you wouldn't bowl to everybody the same. Sometimes you'd fly yeah. up a bit, sometimes be fast. Some, you'd vary it yeah. for the individual. It's no different when you're interviewing people. You mentioned uh, Legends of Football a couple of times, and it, it is your passion. We've both been on several occasions. It's a fantastic evening. It's probably one of the best of those type of evenings. Thank you. And you've raised loads of money. And it's always a sort of starry evening. Well, it's we've been going oh, 23, 24 years now. Mm. And we were last week, we had Gareth Southgate. And for the first time, quite rightly, we inducted somebody from the women's game, Ellen White, England's all-time leading goal scorer. We would have done it earlier, but because of the pandemic, we haven't had a dinner mm. for three years. And it just came about from harnessing the power of football and music together. So we've had so many recipients over the years. I mean, also on Monday night, so we had Gareth and Ella, but James Bay mm. gave his time for free, put on a fantastic performance. And it's for a music therapy charity, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Nordoff Robbins. Yeah. Which, which I... Um, I, I absolutely, I love the charity. I love what it does. We all like music. And I know you'll have, I think you've had James Bain here, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When we had the stereophonics on, they were fantastic. Um, we've had Roger Daltrey. Roger Daltrey. We've, 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 we've had so many different artists. Mm. And what you'll find is, if you get a musician in and they're on the tour, like me on my, my book plug tour at the mm. moment, which you've kindly facilitated, love talking about it. But when you get a musician, when they're doing their album, they come in and they, they, they come kind of a bit on rote and they repeat... You ask them about football, if they're football fans, yeah. they're liberated, they're mm. off and running. Most footballers would be very happy to be musicians, and most musicians would be very happy to be footballers. Yeah. And we just bring that together. Jeff, we're out of time. Um, it's lovely to see you, and uh, we wish you well with the book. You're doing signings in various places as well, aren't you? Out and about. Kick, kicking off in my hometown of St Albans, Waterstone St Albans, Saturday, half past 11 onwards. I'm hoping that Adrian Durham, who is a fellow resident, yeah. will be first in the queue. Fantastic. Well, you've offered to buy him a beer. I think you'll find he'll be there. <laughs> uh, cheers, Jeff. Thanks very much for coming in. Boys, thank you very much for having me. As always, love yep. the show. Uh, Jeff Shreve's book, Cheers, Jeff, is available now, uh, published by uh, Pam McMillan, out in hardbacks. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Bayouac and Femme retired uh, a short while ago. I think he did pop up for a little game with hashtag United. Mm. The boots were put back on. But uh, he's moving into wrestling. Mm. Um, we're delighted to say he joins us now. Bayo, good afternoon. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Are you boys, you good? Yeah, yeah we're good. Yeah, well, that's, uh, we were told about this yesterday. He said, you want to have a chat with Bayo tomorrow? He's going to become a wrestler. I mean, look, it's it's not it's it's not completely out of the question. I think we can all see it. But what what got you into it? No, listen. I mean, I think the whole wrestler tag has been um, with my name for quite a fair bit because I've actually, I guess, I'm more built like a wrestler than a footballer, and that's what people used to say. Um, but I've always been into wrestling um, from a youngster. I'm a father now. My kids are in wrestling, and um, listen. When I say I'm going to be a wrestler, I'm going to dip my toe in the whole wrestling, um, the wrestling world mm. and just give it a try. It's different skills though. I mean, it's quite, all right, it may not be a proper sport as such, but it's still incredibly skillful and incredibly physical. Have you had to do a lot of training? Yeah, so to be fair, look, and I've, I've known um, Andy Agogo, who mm. is also known as the governor, and he's been giving me tips. And no, man, it is really skilled. Like, don't get the game twisted. And I know people may see it as entertainment but you've touched on it um like the fools are real um the the training it's real um and i've just done a couple and my body's aching i, I kid you not like i fail and anybody that see me fall on a football pitch it does take a while to get up and when, somebody, <laughs> when somebody's jumping on top of you it takes even longer so but no the due diligence and um is what i'm trying to put into it but listen i always like to challenge myself and i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it at the moment how is the body post football? I mean, were you you, mm. you were quite lucky? I mean, is it held up? Or do every one of those throws are you feeling all those years in football? Yeah, nah. Listen, uh, it's my knee. My knee. Whenever I want to try and catch the kids or you know do some running, that's where it's the problem. Mm. But listen, I, I I still gym every day. I still bike every day. So the body holds up as long as I don't um, I don't try and do pounding on my knee. Nah, man, I'm I, I feel good. Um, so. No, man, it's holding out. So you're going to be working with Anthony as well. Are you guys sort of a bit of a team in this? Yeah, well, like, there's a there's a fight coming up. Mm. And, um, you know, like I said, Anthony's been my boy for a while and a couple of people try to disrespect him and I can't really have that. So, you know, I had to kind of, you know, just jump in and have his back. So, yeah, we're going to do a little um, workout. Like I said, he's been, he's the one that's been guiding me, training me. Uh, we've got a session coming up on Friday. Again, so that's like my third and fourth, which, like I said, I, look, I like new challenges. Um, but, yeah, man, we'll, we'll have to watch this space. It's it, a, a great for Anthony, isn't it? Because he, he's, he's been on with us a few times over the years after his eye injury in boxing, and uh, he's been on other shows on TalkSport, and he really tried so hard to get back. And, and it, I know it, 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 it did. he did really struggle at one point. Um, because you know it was he, it, he was beating himself up and he wanted to get back and he couldn't. So to have found something that he loves to do and he's good at is fantastic. Yeah, man. Listen, I mean, anybody that knows or have tried something that's been taken away from you, listen, you know how hard it is. Um, and listen, he's been openly and spoke about listen how difficult and how some sometimes he was at a real low point. And then listen, when you can you find something that gives you that drive, that motivation. 
um, to, to get your teeth into. It's a great thing. Listen, Andy's a great guy and um, he's really passionate about it, which is good. I don't know what you're wearing on Sunday, but are you leotard or trunks? <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to remix that. You know, what I'm saying? I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm gonna have to remix. I'm gonna have to <laughs> remix my uniform. I don't really like the leotard or the little spandex or trunks, so I may have to go for like um, football shorts or something. I think the leotard could look good. Bring back the leotard. Yeah. I mean, you you probably grew up on all the American stuff, Bo. But if you go back and watch the Giant Haystacks, and, not that I'm comparing you with Big Daddy or Giant Haystacks, but have you <laughs> have you watched some of those old school British fighters? Have you seen any of that stuff? No, see, that's what it is. I was, I was, I was that the Ultimate Warrior, the Hulk Hogan. You know, that was my era. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Andre the Giant. So I haven't really seen it, but what I do like, I do like that the the, the British wrestling scene is now getting its own scene. Um, yeah. You know, the lights like Anthony Go Go is trying to push it forward. So um, yeah, man, watch this space for these guys, for these English guys here. You know, trying to do things and take it to the next level. Yeah. Progresswrestling.com. Uh, mm. That's where all your tickets is. At the Electric Ballroom, Sunday the twenty third of October, and you can see Bayo and uh, uh, Anthony as well in action. Um, and uh, are you missing football, Bo? I mean, it's not been long now, mm. so you did come back for that hashtag game, but are you are, are you missing the game? No, you know, um, I'm not missing the, I'm not missing the day-to-day, I'm not missing the pounding. Um, I'm lucky, listen, I, I still, I'm involved in the game. I do Talk Sports Sunday, I do BT every week, so mm. I still chat, I'm going down to the Wickham game, so I'm still involved in football, which I think is lucky. I think most footballers that retire, uh, it's the, we're creatures of habit, and when we don't have a routine, that's I think that's where we struggle. But for me, I'm I'm still to be I'm busy as as ever. Um, plug plug! I've got the documentary dropping at the end of this month, um, so I'm I'm in a position where listen, I'm enjoying. I've always said that um, I want to be able to try a lot of different things when I retire. But I'm not missing the pounding. My knee, yeah. my knee really did its due diligence. It gave it its time, and now my knee just likes to rest. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, talking about Anthony there, you you were able to leave on your own terms, and I think that that has a bearing on it as well. You had a good long career, and you were able to leave when it felt right, and that that kind of prepares you for it. It means you're content when you do stuff, I guess. Yeah, man. I mean, that, listen, I said it, I was I was lucky. Um, listen, I played till forty, and I decided at the beginning of that season um, that it was going to be regardless of what happened. Of course, I wanted to leave on a fairy tale, but my last game was at Wembley, so yeah. I, I could mark. Of course, I could have answered it better. We could have won the game. But I knew from the beginning of the season to the end that that was going to be my last season. So, listen, I'd, I'd already known. So I could walk away from the game. And that, for me, was just content and closure and everything. So quickly, just tell us about this documentary. When's that going out? What, and, um... Yeah, so the documentary drops on the, the 26th of the premiere, the 29th on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it's the Beast Mode On story. Um, so it, it kind of followed my last year. Um and then, of course, the past, and then what I'm going into the future. So, yeah, it'll be on Amazon uh, on the 29th of October. So, the Beast Mode on the Akifemma story. So, yeah, man, take it in, man. Nice one. We will, we will leave you to go leotard shopping. Good to talk to you, man. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Good man. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bayer Akin Fenwa there. You'll see him, as we said, Electric Ballroom in London, Sunday the 23rd of October, progresswrestling.com for your tickets. Anthony Agogo in action as well. Hmm. Like the wrestling, Andy? Do I like wrestling? Are you still a fan over the years? No. Not really. No, I used to sit and watch it with my dad. The old British the old, stuff. Yeah, yeah, that world of sport. Ben from but... Barnsley and Speedos taking yeah. a plumber's bag Les to a Kelly town hall. I loved him. But yeah, you Different know. Different world. No, I respect them, but it's not, yeah. my, it's not my cup of thing. Cup of tea. Cup of tea. It's not cup your cup of, of tea. Not my oh, cup of tea. We can all start picking people up on mispronunciation. <laughs> cup of tea with threat. <laughs> threat. Threeth. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Our own Andy Goldstein is coming up at four o'clock. Mm. He, he, he experience uh, links to the stars off the back of the story in Jeff Shreve's book that his uh, mum used to play squash with Motti's wife. So that's a nice tenuous link to the stars. Um, yeah, Andy Goldstein tells us that... Um, where's it gone? I've got it here. He just sent it to me. I went to see Jimmy Tarbuck at the Cliffs Pavilion in South End. In the interval, I met Kenny Lynch's postman. 
Well, claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, really. I asked what kind of <laughs> what kind of letters he gets. Lots, mate. A three, A four, the lot. One hundred percent true, says Andy. Well, was he with Tarby's postman and, and Bruce's postman? Bruce's postman. They all, they all get together. together. They all play golf together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure That'll they be did. Good. There we are. Yeah, Andy's up before yeah. with uh, Darren Bentford driving. I'd say that Emma Raducanu is the Watford of tennis. She's looking for a fifth coach in sixteen yeah. months. Is she, is she managed by the Potsos? It'd be great, wouldn't be, it? Yeah. Really good. <laughs> I cleaned Martin Clune's car and ended up mm. sitting in his garage eating a bacon sandwich that he'd made me with a nice cup of tea, says nice, Martin in Dorset. That's very nice. A lot of postmen about. I used to be Dean Smith, the Norwich City manager's postman, says Derek the postman. <laughs> Kenny Dalgleish well, used to get his papers from the news agents who I used to deliver papers for, yeah. although he wasn't on my round. That is pretty spurious, isn't it? Thank you for that. As a taxi driver based in Southampton, I once had mm. to deliver Duncan Goodhue's raincoat to the Solent Hotel. <laughs> really? Uh, brackets, he'd left it in the taxi, obviously, says Keith. Thank you very well, much for that. Yeah, so some beautiful, enough, really. spurious claims to the stars. Anything else, Andy, you want to talk about? Yes. Uh, Nicole Martin wrote to the uh, Sun about Erling Haaland's diet. Oh, OK. She said, if eating liver and kidneys makes you a Premier League sensation, count me out. Oh, OK. Erling Haaland feasts, as you would say. He does, yeah. He gorges and feasts. <laughs> On such meat. Yeah, tucks Cla- into. <laughs> claiming they're superfoods. It's straight out of Science of the Lambs. Well, it is. No, it's, it's not. not it's awful. It's not human, It's not is awful. It? There's nothing wrong with it. Yes, I knew you were shouting that at the radio. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Peter Sheffield also wrote about Haaland to the uh, star. Hmm. In fact, he's Peter Sheffield from Swansea, so he's got two football names. Peter Swansea from Sheffield. <laughs> or Peter Sheffield from Swansea. Yeah. I really think Erling Haaland should eat some salad and veg as well as kidneys and liver. But he does seem to keep scoring, so well done, Erling. What a <laughs> tremendous letter. This has become quite the correspondence, hasn't <laughs> it? What is the point? There's uh, no point at all. But when it comes to pointless letters, there's no one that can top the yeah. fine work of Les Holt of Manchester, who basically, I don't think his letters have ever added anything to anything other than what you already knew. And here okay. he is. Uh, Wayne Rooney's verdict on Ronaldo, potentially joining David Beckham's into Miami, is that he's passed his best. Against Everton on Sunday, the Portuguese superstar electrified the fans as he fired home a great goal. Yeah, we all saw it. Wouldn't Rooney love him at DC United, which he now manages? Well, I don't know, Les. I took quite a lot and learned quite a lot Did from you? that. <laughs> to do with the Brodie's notes on that particular letter, to look at the subtext. Seems unlikely, really. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksbanny Jacobs here on Talk Sports, and I, I could be wrong. We'll put it to our guest who's mm. written a book on the subject. But it always felt like sort of a big bold football murals were a kind of a South American or Just Italian same, thing. Exactly the same thing. It's yeah. true, isn't it? Mm. But we're seeing more and more of them in the, in this country. We are certainly. Andy Brussels with us. Uh, he has uh, written Football Murals: A Celebration of Soccer's Greatest Street Art. So that you feel the same, Andy. That suddenly we're you know we're, we are seeing more and more over here. Yeah, and I, I think the the real real germ behind this book was uh, the fact that I, I go all over Europe to see football, and sometimes slightly beyond as well. And it's the thing that really makes you think of the supporters, and really makes you realise that supporters are the same mm. world over. You know, we feel the same about our clubs and our players who give so much to those clubs in in in, in some cases. And you know, there's no need for words it's the sort of communication that makes sense all all over the world really and you're right we have seen it more and more in europe uh, one of the the bits that i was talking to someone about the other day actually is um i've, I've been to benfica a lot i walk, work in portugal quite a lot and there's a little tunnel where you walk over from the tube station uh sort of underpass to the stadio de Luz, which is you know one of the stadiums mm. of european football i don't think it's unreasonable to say and you, you go through this tunnel and it used to be this really sort of dank bleak underpass and about three years ago the benfica foundation got a few quid to do it up and they've done a mural of the fans of the eagle that they fly on the pitch beforehand of all that stuff and it says uh it's got a sort of spin on welcome to hell as well right and um it all of a sudden you're, you're feeling like right yeah it's alive it's here you know it makes a massive massive difference yeah the book's very well researched and some wonderful photos and it strikes me the quality of the artwork in some of these things is, is incredible it's some some of it's amazing but what i really like about um what we did actually is some of it's not as well <laughs> you, you know i i think some some of it is 
enthusiasm over over high art, and I think I think that's terrific as well. Quite different styles. I mean, um, I'm just looking at Diego Maradona, for example. He's probably yeah. he's the most mural, if I can use that word, star I think, I think in the can. world, isn't he? Yeah, and I, I think people talked in the wake of the death of Maradona a couple of years ago about um, you know Naples turning into to Maradona land, but it was kind of that anyway in the first place. You know, you have the Spanish Quarter where you have so many different ones of him of course the one that people might recognize is that one it's on the side of an apartment block mm. and his face is on the shutters of someone's apartment yeah so you see them yeah. sort of opening and, and looking out their window and then they close them again and diego's face is, <laughs> is is back but the the only way i can put it really with maradona is he is everywhere it's, it's what i say in the book actually if you um go to a snack bar or you're um, in a cafe, or you're looking at a row of Vespers. They've all got images of Maradona on the front. It's like he still plays there. Yeah. Like, this is even before, you know. I know sometimes you, you think um, personalities of renown are sort of canonised in death. He was like that before death in Naples. He's such a huge figure. I mean, as I say, mm. they're so different. There's like a black and one place on a wall, black and white uh, drawing of a, of, of a photograph of Maradona with his... Mother and father on a beach. Mm. It's a really, but then you get ones <laughs> where like Diego's like a deity across a, a massive wall. Then somebody's done this fantastic. It's almost looks like a transfer, doesn't it? Like a black and white image of the hand of God. That's in Naples, Banksy, that one. not in Buenos Aires. Quite mm. Banksy like. Mm. So they're mm. all quite different in in style, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And um, I, th I think Maradona is quite a good place to start. Not just because he's the one who is the the, the most muralled, if you like, but also um, because. Italy has seen a, a real upshot. You've got some incredible artists over there, as Andy mm. was talking about before. One of the ones I really love more recently is the Jose Mourinho one. You know, we talked about how he left England under a bit of a cloud, arrived in Italy, and they felt like, not that they were receiving recently sacked by Tottenham Mourinho, but <laughs> Mourinho who'd left Inter mm, yeah. 10 years before. And um, the, the first image of him that a graffiti artist did was a mural artist did was him on a wall, um, which is uh, him in his suit with a Roma scarf on, it's sort of a bit Mancini style, really, on a Vespa, Vespa with, yeah. the, with the Roma mm. symbol. And it's fantastic. And, of course, he's been similarly muralled several times since. Yeah. Uh, what about the, the, the fear of these things being defaced? You know, football is very tribal, unless you've got someone like Cruyff or mm. Maradona that transcends the clubs. Yeah, that horrible one with Rashford that you write about in the book. As yeah, well. yeah, that's always that's always. Well, happened to the fear, Jurgen Klopp one the yeah. other day, didn't it? And, um, you know, it's, it's obviously really upsetting when that happens, especially as a lot of them are... A community efforts you know people are people are doing them for for, for the, the great good i mean you see that we'll see that later i know you're going to the tottenham game like yeah. me later that that one of uh ledley king yeah with, and with his one famous of Sonny as well which is really good it's, yeah the camera pose which is excellent i think we should have a mural of alan brazil in the building we should. 17 <laughs> just story side. well look, tremendous so, i mean some of them are just uh, you know people are fans and people love them but the mm. the mbappe one on the side in in his kind of pretty rundown area of Paris, where he was brought up, is a sort of sign for people that, you know, we can make it out of here. It's more than just a mural, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one, I think, the Mbappe one, because, again, he's one that will get several done of him and mm. already has, and I'm sure it'll only increase. But what I find particularly interesting about that is it's sort of a, a corporate seal of approval for supporter culture, because, of course, corporates always make you think or want to make you think that, that they get it, that they feel the same way as us. They don't, but they've appropriated mural culture. You know, I think that's a Nike one. Yeah. And you've got various Adidas ones. You've got that brilliant Adidas one that's like the Sistine Chapel ceiling, which mm. has got um, Beckham and Zidane, et cetera, et cetera, in it. That doesn't mean they can't be great pieces of art. And no. in, a, in a way, it's a, a real sort of mark of respect to support a culture. Yeah. Mm. It's a good point, though, Andy. I, I I'd not read the caption on that, and I look at it, and you, know, you look at it now, it does look quite slick, and you think, does that take the edge off it a little bit if it's if it's been sort of, you know, if, well, it, like is said, one, if it is boot company I, or a kit company? I, I, still th I still think they can be great yeah. pieces of art, but and, and I, I think that shows that this is something that, that, that really gets to supporters that, that, that we really love. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I um, in Rio there were some good ones, but yes. also commercial ones. Yeah, no, that's ones. true. Around the World Cup, certainly, yeah. yeah. The um, 
Uh, the photography's fantastic. Mm. Um, so uh, how did that all come about? Was that just a big research job for you and the publisher or were that people commissioned the, to go and shoot stuff? That was the research job for uh, someone else. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I wrote around it because I, I, I don't write just about the murals. I write about the subjects of the yeah. murals. So, um, you know, we talk about, um, you know, the characters like Maradona, Messi, Ronaldo, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Wayne Rooney, of course, all of those. Yeah. Um, but also about how they address some of the big political subjects in the game, like the Super League, for example, like our sense of place, like how we feel about our stadium and how mm. we make it our own. I mean, I, I took a couple myself on on my phone. I, I got a really great one in the tunnel at Bajiktash. And it's when you go in the tunnel, mm. because they're the Black Eagles, it's all painted black and you have these really vivid eagles with these bright red eyes. And you must have that feeling as the away team as you're going in this really tight, claustrophobic tunnel, is, oh, I don't really fancy this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's it's beautifully produced as well. It's that kind of glossy paper which it needs to be to make the the pictures and the murals sing, and, and great words as well. So, uh, Thank I, you. lovely, lovely book, lovely Christmas present for okay. a for a football fan. Certainly, it's published by Bloomsbury Sports, and it's out now in hardback football murals by Andy Brassel, a celebration of soccer's greatest street art. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We'll have a birthday spread for it. It's the quality of the gags oh, like, yeah. Andy. This week, yes, it's been a difficult week at... Uh, Gag Central. Oh, okay, really? Your team of writers have not, <laughs> no. not really shown up. No, that's a shame. Oh, no. Anyway, we'll, we'll try and make the best of it. And lots of other guests. Gary Lineker's with us tomorrow for a chat about his new book and his take on the game currently. So, yeah, do join us if you can from one. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.